after the episode I created two weeks ago on clostridia and how pathogens can affect your mood, also titled, uh, Do You Have Depression, Anxiety, or ADHD? Here's one reason you might want to check your health or your gut health. I wanted to expand more on brain health and how you can reduce brain toxicity. Brain toxicity is a broad term referring to a suboptimal state of brain functioning due to poor environment in the brain. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about the physiology of brain toxicity, how to know if you may be experiencing a toxic brain, and what you can do about it. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right. So to start off this episode on brain toxicity, which is is more common than we might realize, I wanted to just start off with symptoms of brain toxicity because you might realize... It might be something that you've experienced before or are currently experiencing. So symptoms of brain toxicity include fatigue, moodiness, memory problems, difficulty focusing, which also sometimes can come off as a diagnosis of ADD or ADHD, speech and language problems, especially and including those seen in autism, but even just outside of that, uh, without in a diagnosis, speech and language problems, mood disorders, which is everything from, I feel like my mood's unstable and it's vague and it's general to, again, a diagnosis like OCD, depression, et cetera. Demyelination problems, again, leading from everything to multiple sclerosis, ALS, to simply just stiff muscles, uncoordinated muscles, muscles that don't respond well to brain signals and neurodegenerative diseases such as dementia and Alzheimer's. Those last two are typically a result of long-term chronic brain toxicity where usually all the other symptoms noted above, that fatigue, the moodiness, difficulty focusing have been going on for a while, and yet the doctors or we just say, I'm just stressed, I'm just a mom, I'm just have a stressful job, all these different things. Um, I just have, you know, IBS and we are never really validated by our doctors or given the chance or encouraged to look deeper. And so if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are looking deeper. You are wondering about those things. And so just as a groundwork, if you're experiencing any of those things, 
those are forms of brain toxicity. And not to be scary, like we cannot say and don't think like you're suddenly going to develop these more intense disorders, but it is something to be aware of. It does happen. And researchers are finding that when they are looking at people and studying people who have been diagnosed with these the more intense disorders that I list at the end, the dementia, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, they do find that there were symptoms along the way that just no one thought much about. The acid reflux, the bloating, the IBS, the general fatigue or moodiness, it just wasn't considered. So what I wanted to do though with the brain toxicity is how we detox the brain. How do we reduce brain toxicity so that we can have clearer thinking, better focus, lower anxiety? The first way that we start to do it is just by understanding how does the brain detox? Like what are the functions and the structures? There's really specific things going on. And so I'm actually gonna use some scientific terms today. It's super fun. Feel free to Google these. I think these are wonderful concepts and really helps me wrap my mind or my brain <laughs> around, I'm making all the jokes uh, these past few episodes, but around the brain and and like not just like a concept or idea of, or a theory, but but a real, real structure. So the first thing I want to bring up and how the brain detoxes is something called the glymphatic system. It's if you, depending on your podcast or your headphones or how loud it is, it you might miss that I said a G at that. So it sounds like lymphatic system, but with the G at the beginning, glymphatic system. And your glymphatic system is named that because, so your brain doesn't have lymph in it. It has cerebral spinal fluid, which is a clear fluid that nourishes the brain and gives it buoyancy and helps it detox. And that fluid is actually circulated by something called glial cells. And so in the brain, you have this circulation and this drainage of cerebral spinal fluid and then your glial cells, which are kind of like the scaffolding of your brain. Um, I, basically, glial cells have been in increasing research over the past few decades. So even when I was in high school, I remember learning about the brain and no one talked about glial cells. It was just neurons. And then there was like white matter and dark matter, and that was it. But researchers are now finding that glial cells are these specific forms of cells. They're not the neurons themselves. So the neurons is where the data would be kept, but glial cells, and there's like a bunch of them. There's um, astrocytes, and there's they all have all these different names, but they have one category of glial cells, and they're basically like support cells. So like if you have um, the train is the neurons, and then your glial cells would be all the workers on the train who are shoveling coal into the train or who are helping passengers get on and off the train or who are loading and unloading all the package from the train. And so the, they're, they're just the support system, but, uh, the support system that is so important. What they found is that glial cells make up 85% of cells in the brain up to 85%. They've also been doing research on and, and researchers are really starting to theorize that glial cells are more responsible for intelligence than neurons. So the number of neurons, and we already know that the size of a brain, like at least like volume, like weight, mass of a brain is not correlated to intelligence. We've known that since 
I remember people talking about it like with Einstein's brain um, and he donated his body to science and wow, his brain wasn't necessarily the biggest or the heaviest brain that we had, uh, but he clearly was a smart dude. And uh, they're finding that with other people who have scored very high in their IQ that they don't necessarily have the biggest brain um, and they've been wondering what makes it. Well, what makes the difference? What makes them smarter? One of them is glial cells. They are finding that they have a higher amount of them. So what's happening is these support cells are able to support the neurons better. They're able to nourish the neurons, get the cerebral spinal fluid to them, detox the neurons. And there's this, there are these pathways and these structural cells that are just helping the neurons fire quicklier, quicklier, more quickly, helping the neurons wire more quickly. I don't know if you, part of how we learn and have memory is this, this concept where neurons wire together and they create neural pathways. And uh, if you are, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but I love it. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And that's how we learn and develop habits. And that's why if you do something repeatedly, uh, you get muscle memory and you you can maybe, if you're driving somewhere the first time uh, or even the second time, third time, every time you drive to the same location, like the grocery store or your work or your new house, you need fewer and fewer active part of your uh, prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, to be activating. And you're just using all these neural pathways and these maps of your brain saying, what do I do when I want to go to work? What do I do when I want to pull out my keys or whatever those things are? And so when we start having dysfunction in those map systems, we can't find uh, our keys or our ha normal habits don't work for us. And so that can be a problem that we notice with foggy headedness of like words not coming to our mind as quickly, which is something, gosh, I've struggled with for a long time. And no one thinks too much of it. They're like, oh, it just happens. But I feel like um, it gets better when I'm not eating certain things like wheat in particular. Um, again, I don't get any GI problems when I eat wheat. I get neurological problems when I eat wheat. And if you want to know more about wheat, you can check out our previous episode. I end up talking about wheat in it. It's not titled being on wheat, but if you check it out on the connection between the sleep and our sleep and our gut in episode 42, I do talk about wheat in that and how it affects our, our whole body, including our brain. And so um, we have this lymphatic system. It's detoxing our brain. It's made of glial cells and cerebral spinal fluid and helps us circulate and drain, um, get new nutrients in and then drain um, toxins that are just, the toxins are from normal metabolic processes. And realize, and I don't know if you are familiar with this, but our brain uses up researchers, scientists, approximate our brain uses up about 20% of our energy. Like that's a lot. That's us just sitting and thinking using 20% of our energy. And that energy includes oxygen. For example, um, scientists are able to pretty easily break down what organs use what amounts of oxygen. And they found out the three organs that use the most oxygen are one, your liver, which uses 20% of your oxygen in your body, two, your brain, which uses 18% of your oxygen, and three, your heart, which uses 12%. So we use a, we make typically a big deal on brain health and heart health, but also liver health. I mean, 20% of your oxygen, that is huge. If if your brain is suffering from low oxygen, your heart or your muscles, wouldn't also your liver be being strained? And so that also makes me want to hearken you back and encourage you to check out episode 42 on 
how what sleep is telling what your sleep is telling you about your gut because I also talk more in depth on your liver there and the functionality of your liver and it's a it's a big detox organ more or less and so um, but kind of going back just realizing like your your brain's using a lot of energy both in oxygen and in glucose is another area where we're using up a lot of energy and so now it's just like almost like when you poop it's because you ate when your brain has toxins in it, it's because it's working. So it has, we get toxins in our brain from normal metabolic processes. We can also get toxins in our brain from abnormal processes, such as heavy metals being present, um, or certain toxins that get in our brain. If you check out our episode on uh, if you have depression, anxiety, or ADHD, check out your gut. That's on a bacteria called Clostridia. And that bacteria can create or excretes an enzyme that can block neurotransmitter conversion in our brain of dopamine to norepinephrine, which can really impact our mood as well. And so those are some abnormal processes that if, hey, if you have Clostridium difficile or C. diff, um, that could that would be an abnormal toxic presence that your body, your brain's now also having to deal with. But just like thinking basics, just normal metabolic processes requires a healthy uh, functionality of your glial cells, your whole lymphatic system, your cerebral spinal fluid, etc. The good news is that there is a solution if you are experiencing some of those brain toxicity symptoms I mentioned, brain fog, um, difficulty focusing, moodiness, anger, irritation, all those things that that can be solved by cleaning your liver, cleaning your blood, having a strong brain detoxification system. And we're going to get into that more in a second. The other thing that really impacts our brain toxicity and, and reducing brain toxicity is our blood brain barrier. So we have a barrier from our bloodstream to our brain, and that's called the blood-brain barrier. And that blood-brain barrier can be damaged. It can be um, weakened, and and so more things are passing that blood-brain barrier than we want uh, to. And so there's actually a name, or at least a, a non-scientific name that's being passed around, um, which I think is incredibly helpful to Im- imagine it, called leaky brain. So now we have leaky gut, which is our intestinal lining being damaged and things getting into our blood from our gut that shouldn't. And now we have uh, leaky brain, which is things from our blood getting into our brain that shouldn't because these walls are, these mucous membranes and these these thin cell wall membranes are breaking down. So what damages the blood-brain barrier? We will get to that in a second because that will be key in reducing brain toxicity. And then lastly, drainage of these fluids, the cerebral spinal fluid, blood from our brain is going to be really important in reducing brain toxicity. We want those glial cells to be pushing cerebral spinal fluid through the brain and, and clearing toxins out. And we also want drainage of... Um, in the head, so like both the uh, cranial cavity has cerebral spinal fluid, and we have a way that that gets back into the bloodstream, and then we can filter it and get it out of our cerebral spinal or craniosacral system, which is the brain, the spinal cord, the meninges, the the cranial bones. That is your whole system. We want it out of that system, so you have a clean system, and get it from the head into the rest of the body, and from the brain and to the spine and back up, because we also want a healthy spine and spinal fluid fluid flowage flute flow um so with drainage we also can have problems and we're going to get into this in a second but just realize this is the whole drainage system it can actually sound kind of simple because in some ways it is it's 
really cute. There's the, you know, the, the glial cells, the structural effects of the cerebral spinal fluid being filtered into the body through the, we make it from our blood and then it flows back into our blood. Again, kind of like our lymph. If you know much about lymph, um, our lymph system goes from our interstitial um, spaces of our, of our cells and our skin and our fascia and all these things. And then it dumps into our bloodstream. So bloodstream again is just really key. And we want to make sure our blood is nice and healthy, which we're not talking about liver today, but it gets back to why the liver is so important because that's a key area we're getting detoxification of whatever is flowing around in our blood, excess estrogen, excess excess toxins, excess heavy metals, etc. All right. So things that actually impact brain toxicity, or at least impact the brain's ability to detox. So now we know what what the system looks like with the glial cells and the cerebral spinal fluid and the uh, brain and the spinal cord and circulation. Now we want to know what happens. So this I'm basing these three this this part of the podcast on the better belly healing process, which is based off of we break everything health related into three categories: intake, absorption, and excretion. So a lot of times what we find when we when we start working with someone is prior to working with us, they may have only focused on intake of what's going on. So that means like the food they're eating, the creams they're putting on their body, the detergents they're using, the air they're breathing, like that's all intake of, uh, you know, how clean their air is in their house, what pollen levels are what they're putting on their skin. Are they putting, you know, what candles are they burning? Burning? Do they have phthalates? Do they have um, poisons, plastics, uh, xenoestrogens, which is basically like xeno thinking alien. They're like chemical estrogens that aren't estrogen. And then that can really throw us off and be toxic to our body. So intake of toxins, we have absorption, which is how the quality of absorption of our body, which we want to have a high quality. A lot of times this is the area that people most miss when they are healing their body with, uh, whether they're trying to do it on their own or they've been working with a doctor, a functional health practitioner, a, a integrative doctor, like they, this absorption part of the equation is often most often missed. And then there's the excretion. So, you know, what the, are we pooping? Is the liver getting excreting? Are the glial cells excreting? All these things. So we're go, we'll go start from the top with intake. Um, the most common way that we get brain toxicity from intake is intaking food sensitivities, which then irritate and damage the intestinal lining. You get leaky gut, it gets into the bloodstream and the blood travels to the brain. Boom, you got brain inflammation, not happy. The most common food sensitivity that we see just like creating mass chaos really quickly is gluten and wheat, which we've talked about recently on our previous podcast with sleep and how we impacts thyroid and then we impact sleep. Um, but food sensitivities are big, any kind, even not wheat and gluten. And so doing a food sensitivity test is one aspect of it, but it's not everything. You also want to understand that intake of toxins can be coming from pathogenic presences, like I already mentioned, Clostridium difficile or C. Diff for short, and that which we have a full episode on gets into you know are we having a are we intaking a toxin from this that's then disrupting our conversion of our neurotransmitters in our brain? Um, do we have other pathogens that are impacting that we're like intaking? We're like it's it's something we're basically 
digesting or bringing into our body? Do we have heavy metals? And heavy metals can be, I've been finding a lot of high levels of aluminum in our clients. And that can be like, do you drink from aluminum cans? Like LaCroix are really popular because they're low sugar, but then they're in a can and those have aluminum. And when you, when you open them, like the, the lining of that mouth, like you have a higher likelihood of getting aluminum from that. Do you use aluminum-based deodorants? Do you have aluminum uh, foil that you're using to like wrap food in, cook food in? That those are really easy, big ways for aluminum to get into the body. And any types of heavy metals, they're just not good for the brain. They're not good for the gut. They're not good for our adrenal glands. They're not good for our mineral balance. They're just not good. Stress can also really impact the body. Cortisol, blood pressure, limbic activity, all these things are, um, realize like stress also happens in the brain, like the limbic system, and that will create its own amount of toxins in the body and toxic waste that the body now needs to get rid of. So intake has to do with like extra uh, input of toxins that the brain's having to deal with. And then uh, on top of the normal, again, normal metabolic processes, then you have absorption problems where a lot of times our clients, they're having some GI problems and they're not absorbing lipids well, which is fats. So they're not getting lipid soluble vitamins and minerals. They're also, we need lipids to create healthy cell walls and to create a strong blood-brain barrier. So our cells, they all are not permeable because they have a fatty, you know, you know how fat like repels water. They have a fatty membrane around them called a lipid membrane. And so if you're not absorbing fats well because you have low stomach acid or you have low bile production or both, then your lipid absorption is going to be highly impacted. If your stool floats, if you, um, is the biggest way or the easiest way, and it doesn't always show up this way, but if you do have like light colored stool or stool that floats, that's one way to say, um, my body's not absorbing, um, the fats that I'm eating. So even if you're eating healthy fats, avocado, olive oil, things like that, it, again, you could be well-fed, poorly nourished. And so you want to like, that could be a part of what's going on. And we see that, I see that all the time, like almost every client I work with, that's not happening. And so again, it's not just a matter of taking a supplement because what you ideally want to do is rehab the organ that it should be producing these things. That's it. And so why isn't that organ functioning well? That's what we look for in our office and in the clients that we work with and why they get such good results. The other thing is uh, our clients are not digesting their proteins well, which you need amino acids for healthy levels of, of neurotransmitters. And so, and you also need amino acids for like DNA and amino acids for muscle buildup, things like that. So uh, if you aren't digesting well, again, this is an absorption problem. You're Even if you're eating good proteins, whether that's, you know, vegetarian proteins or meat proteins, if you aren't digesting it because you have low stomach acid, no, not enough bile, things like that, you're not going to be digesting your proteins. You'll probably have some GI symptoms like bloating. And then you also are going to be impacted in your mood, in your focus, in your neurotransmitter balance, and in your brain toxicity. Yucky, yuck. So absorption of toxins are really inhibited um, or decreased in their quality by having leaky gut because you're now absorbing things you shouldn't. Plus, you might not be absorbing things that we do want. And then like healthy 
nutrients, minerals. And then you also are more likely to have a leaky brain problem because of that inflammation in the blood being transported to the brain. And hopefully this is maybe starting to sound a little repetitive because it's actually kind of a oddly straightforward system of the flow of problems. And so sometimes a moodiness problem isn't meant to be solved just with a pharmaceutical because there's other things going on and it doesn't really give honor to the fact that your brain is a part of your liver and a part of your gut and a part of your cardiovascular system like your brain is impacted by a whole bunch of other parts of your body. And then uh, poor excretion of toxins is the third problem of why uh, our brain toxicity can continue to stay high or increase over time. And excretion of toxins from the brain looks multifold. One is structurally, we should have very good ability for the fluid to flow out of the brain. And so we're thinking about, um, there's a, you know, like there's a hole at the base of the brain where the brain transitions to the spinal cord. That hole is, it's a bone or it's like a, it's a hole in a bone. (laughs) The bone is the occiput. The hole is called the foramen mag. And underneath the foramen magnum, you have your first vertebra, which is the atlas. And that whole junction, not only do you want those bones to be well aligned, but you also want the fascia around them to be healthy. And so in uh, craniosacral therapy, what I often, what we're doing with our clients is we're making sure that fascia is mobile at that junction. And most of the time it's not, it wasn't for me. Um, I mean, I had a really, really poorly restricted foramen magnum area and I didn't know it. And uh, that can really impact how well your cerebral spinal fluid is flowing from your brain to your spinal cord. And then of course, back up. If, I mean, it's basically like putting a tourniquet on your, on your brainstem, which is not good. If you put a tourniquet on your arm and your hand starts feeling numb and tingly and cold, you're not going to be like, wow, I should maybe get a surgery because my hand's numb and tingling and cold or something. You're not going to do something like that. You're going to say, well, I should get this tourniquet off my arm because it is killing my arm to have restricted blood flow. And similarly, you want good cerebral spinal fluid flow for a healthy brain and spinal cord. So we commonly see structural problems. Structural is forward head syndrome. It is painful necks. It's painful backs. It's having car accidents, whiplash history, um, and or uh, epidurals can really impact the quality of the dural tube fluidity and mobility um, down in the thoracic and lumbar spine. And that is going to impact your cerebral, cerebral spinal fluid flow all the way up to your head. So, I mean, this is honestly the excretion of toxins portion is probably where I get the most excited because there's so much possibility and there's so much that if you go to PT to deal with whiplash, they most PTs aren't going to be looking at your meninges and the fluidity of your uh, dural tube or the fluidity of your meninges in your cranial cavity to make sure that you have good um, flow of cerebral spinal fluid. So other areas that you can have restrictions at something called your thoracic inlet, which is basically where your neck meets your shoulders and then your collarbones is there. And realize when it looks like your neck meets your shoulders, it looks like your neck just like flows into the rest of your body and now you're in your torso. But what actually happens is your skin kind of goes over your collarbones and stuff, but your 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 veins, your dural tube, or not dural tube, I mean, yes, your dural tube, 
your spinal cord, your esophagus, your trachea, all those things actually puncture this hole that is in your rib cage um, and continue down into your body, to your heart, to your lungs, to your stomach. And it's one unit from your head all the way down to basically your mid torso. Uh, And so making sure that thoracic inlet is open, which it frequently is not in our clients for a variety of reasons, is key. And so we use visceral manipulation in particular to really help that area. Also, some uh, craniosacral therapy as well to make sure the thoracic inlet is open, so you can get proper blood drainage from the head into the into the rest of the body, and in particular from the head, we have a really big drainage pathway that goes straight into the heart and then dumps into the venous system, so that the you can have healthy circulation. So, if that thoracic inlet gets restricted, which it is a lot of the times. You can generally, we have clients feel like they have a hard time breathing or that their head feels stuffy that can actually impact their sinuses. It can impact their maybe TMJ pain. Um, it is it's, it is incredible how many things we'll find are, are happening at the same time as foggy headedness or clenching their teeth or all these other things. So, um, and this is, of course, they're also having brain toxicity, so it's not a great feeling. Um, you can also have impaction of cranial bones onto the brain. So if you bumped your head onto something, had a car accident, had a concussion, um, fallen on your tailbone, all these things will compress the bones onto the meninges and onto the the craniosacral system and also decrease blood flow in those areas. So it'll decrease functionality, usually in a local way. So instead of it being brain toxicity everywhere, it might be brain toxicity is higher on the left temporal lobe or at the occiput or at the motor cortex, depending on what bone was compressed, the parietal bone, the frontal bone. And it's okay if you don't know these words. I'm throwing them out there. If anything, hey, maybe you know them. And if you don't, just realizing there's more out there than people are talking to you about. And if you go to a craniosacral therapist and you go to a visceral manipulation practitioner, that's what they specialize in. This is what they know about. Um, then, and we will have a link in the show notes. If you're like, how do I find someone? We're in Ann Arbor. If you want to come to us, I am happy to see anybody. Um, and we do phenomenal work at our office, but we'll also provide a link in the show notes. If you, um, don't live near Ann Arbor, Michigan, that you can find a practitioner near you who does this work. And then liver congestion also will cause a problem of poor excretion of toxins because the liver is not working well. So now toxins are being recirculated in the body and re- ending up back into, at the brain. You're going to see high estrogen, not detoxing. Um, if there's pathogens at the same time, those pathogen toxins are going to be going up, up, up. And uh, you're just going to feel worse and worse and worse. And the other thing is not pooping is really big. So sometimes for whatever reason, there's constipation, which is a common thing we see with our clients. And it might be being caused by something else, pathogens, nerve conduction, stress, cortisol, candida, we've seen it all, but it will then of course end up impacting the brain. So um, that is just that's just a fact. So considering, are you pooping? 
do you wake up at 2 to 4 a.m. sweating or just consistently wake up at 2 to 4 a.m.? That's a liver congestion key thing. Do you have high estrogen? Do you have PMS? Do you have, uh, do your breasts feel tender during the month or especially when you're on your period or ovulating? Do you not sleep well? All these things are like hormonal problems and they could be correlated with also then having brain toxicity because your liver is not congesting. So you can see how they all kind of wind together and it's not one straight linear path. Um, so when we eat a clean diet, when we remove pathogens from the gut, when we improve detoxification, but detoxification pathways, that's when our clients who feel like they have ADD or ADHD, who have some autism spectrum, who have mood disorder feelings, um, who have difficulties focusing, who have uh, moodiness during their period, all these things start lifting because they're detoxing well. And we reduce the inflammatory substances in the bloodstream. And this, of course, impacts the brain. So some specific things that you can do to help your brain reduce your brain toxicity and what we do with our clients, you can remove food sensitivities. We encourage you to test first and actually know what's going on and then give your body time, three months minimum off of those foods. And Again, there's a likelihood that if you have leaky gut, you're going to have increased food sensitivity. So you want to heal your leaky gut, then you'll have fewer food sensitivities and you won't be on such a restricted diet. But initially you want to be on a more restricted diet. So you're just not causing, introducing more inflammatory processes to your body than necessary. You want to address structural restrictions through chiropractic care can be really wonderful. A good chiropractor is what we recommend. We have an episode on that. There'll be a link in the show notes of how to find a good chiropractor where I interviewed my two favorite chiropractors and had them tell us and tell you what to look for in a good chiropractor and what makes them different. Uh, you can find someone who does craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. Those are going to be really key in your brain detoxing, getting good circulation in your body. You want to chelate heavy metals and get mineral balance again. That's something we also do with our clients through testing. Um, we make sure you have proper stomach acid levels and digestive enzymes in the body. And note, if you have acid reflux, this does not mean you automatically have enough stomach acid. Um, we do something called a baking soda test with our clients where we get a ballpark of what their stomach acid levels are at. We make sure that they don't have H pylori. We want to make sure that if we get the stomach acid levels up again, they'll feel better, not worse. And we do a stool test and we look and see, do they have markers? There's something, a marker called elastase that can give us an idea of, are you digesting your fats? And now we just know we're not guessing anymore. Guessing is the worst and it's a waste of time and it's a waste of money and resources throwing random supplements at things. So test, don't guess. And then you want to improve liver functionality. Uh, this we do through a variety of means and that helps your, you detox excess estrogen, uh, pathogenic toxins, toxins that the brain is, is releasing through just n normal metabolic processes. And then lastly, when I was writing this episode, I thought I've actually been doing studying and research on meditation and meditation is actually super effective in reducing brain toxicity. There's a couple of reasons why, and I actually don't even want to get into it because I want to create a totally new episode on it of, you know, how meditation helps us and 
kind of breaking down what goes on in meditation. This includes prayer. This includes mindfulness in some ways. Um, but what's going on on the neurological level with your brain neurons and and how to meditate effectively and realizing, again, meditation, if you're meditating but you don't have but you're eating foods that you're, is causing inflammation in your body and you have leaky gut and pathogens, no amount of meditating <laughs> is going to get rid of the pathogens or chelate your heavy metals um, so that you don't have brain to- toxicity. You need all of them. So similarly, you can't just chelate the brain toxicity and just um, get rid of the food sensitivities and get rid of the pathogens and kind of ignore the fact that maybe there's negative mental processes that are going on that are inducing stress or um, creating excess metabolic waste inside the brain that meditation would actually be helpful for. So we'll have a separate episode on that. But hey, if you do meditate, give yourself a pat on the back. It actually really helps with reducing brain toxicity, which you probably notice because after you meditate, you probably do feel calmer, which is the opposite of anxiety or more focus, which is the opposite of difficulty focusing or less scatterbrained, things like that. So this is why we run labs on our clients. Like if they have these symptoms, we want to know why. And a lot of times when we do that within three months, all their symptoms are gone. And if their symptoms aren't gone, we will run a couple different tests to look at deeper layers and say, what did we miss the first time? And by the time we've usually done one to two rounds of labs, sometimes three, depending on the client and what they have going on in their body, their toxicity is, 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 super low. Their body is starting to do it naturally themselves. They don't need to take supplements and they're able to reintroduce foods into their diet again. They're not stuck. They literally have a new body and a new brain and it's so, so beautiful. Well, those are some things you can do to help reduce brain toxicity and also just to know, are you experiencing brain toxicity? It's not a scary thing. It's also not an unsolvable thing. If you would like help in solving your brain toxicity and getting to the root problems of your brain health, your mood health, your hormone health, your gut health, as, as you might have noticed, they're all connected. We would love to support you. We are currently taking applications for our 30-minute complimentary consultation. Our applications are have an in-depth questionnaire to make sure that we can help you. And if we can, we will then allow you to schedule that 30-minute consultation and find out the best way for you to work with us so that you can get the results you're looking for in your health. I would love to support you and just see amazing change in your life so that you can achieve the results and be with your family and be able to um, wake up with energy and just stop wondering what will make you feel better. There are answers and And let us join you in your journey and partner with you in getting the results you are looking for. If you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend who's struggling with brain fog or any other types of brain toxicity symptoms, I encourage you take a screenshot and share it with that friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. 
Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review. I cannot support or encourage enough how much this impacts us and our ability to get this message across to others. If you have been impacted, blessed, encouraged by this podcast, please just take a moment to click a link in the show notes and go and leave a rating and review for this podcast. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation and continue to receive gut health tips is by following us on Instagram and at Better Belly Therapies. We love connecting with our listeners and it means so much if you drop by and said hi. And remember our motto, we know you want healing. We know you want it fast with just one podcast or just one pill, but really miracles are immediate and we love miracles, but true healing takes time and it's okay if it's taking a bit of time. There is answers. There are answers. You are on the path and you can get better.